Alright, welcome to a brand new episode of Talolite Talk. This is Casey. And this is Chris. And today we have a very special guest from Think Alike Productions, Ruben Romero is here. Uh, Ruben, why don't you introduce yourself as our first, uh, I guess, transcontinental guest, <laughs> even though you're still on the East Coast. <laughs> I'm a few states away, I'm a few states away, a few a couple away. hundred miles. Yeah. Um, like you mentioned... Miles. Uh, Ruben Romero. Uh, I am the writer of The Agency, uh, The Throwaways and Three Swords. Two of those books will be out, Throwaways and Three Swords will be out later this year. Um, I'm also the chief creative officer over at, um, at Think I Like Productions. Awesome. So how, so let me, let's start off a little bit about our history. So we met at um, New York Comic Con a few years ago, and I think the agency had just debuted at that time. Um, and we got a copy there. We reviewed it on Don't Forget to Tell, the website. Loved it, and we kind of just been talking comics and geeking out, (laughs) sharing stories since then. So, you know, you've come a long way in the last, gosh, I want to say it's almost been three years by that point. Like, take us us through that a little bit. We're going to go deeper into Think Alike, um going, you know, after we talk about some news, but just, like, how did you even get to New York Comic Con? Because that was your first time, right? Yes. Yeah, that was our first time. <laughs> okay. Um, I think it was just ambition, really. It was just one of those things where it's like, well, I can't go to San Diego Comic Con, <clears throat> can't get in there, and um, and New York Comic Con was just, was really starting to take shape. I think that was, like, the first year where it started to, like, really surpass in numbers as far as attendance and things like that and and events that were going on uh, started to surpass almost you know the whole Hall H and San Diego Comic Con type of mystique um, and I knew I wanted to be a part of that and uh, and I pretty pretty much was just talked my whole team into it I was just like we have to go it doesn't matter like I will I don't I don't know I don't know what I'll do I'll, I'll work five jobs whatever we got to do let's just figure it out because um, it's expensive, man. I mean, like not you know, not just tabling at the booth, but New York itself is such an expensive city. And of course, yeah. when you're there, you know, that's my that's my father grew up in New York. He grew up in Queens, and you know, so that's second home for me. Like I go there, and it's like it's home. So I want to go out. I want to go eat. I want to go everywhere. Mm-hmm. And um, even after spending hours on my feet, you know, at, at a con, I still want to go out. I still want to go chill and hang out and do as much as possible because it's. It's New York. So, but yeah, no, man, it was our first time there when we met. And uh, I think I was, you know, probably just as wide-eyed and, and wet behind the ears as, as any rookie comic book maker there at that show. Um, but I was like, it was a very, it was like the crowning moment for that year. It was it was like, I'm, you know, we brought the agency to New York Comic Con and, and we left and we, we gave, we did it big. We gave away a PlayStation 4, yeah, uh, yeah. you know. Um, it was it was just a huge event, and we were just having a really good time with it. And um, and the minute I got home, all these emails started coming through from New York Comic Con from people who had bought the book and reaching out, and they're like, "Where where can I pick up the next issue? When is the next? You know, what's going to happen? What are you doing with Riley? Are they going to do this?" So it was like, "All right, we got something. You know, we got something on our hands here." So yeah, I think um, like you said, New York Comic Con is now in some ways surpassing San Diego Comic Con. Um, you know, a lot of people say, like, it's a little bit more comic-oriented. I'd say it's a lot, Chris and I think, right, TV-oriented, mm-hmm. more so than the movies over at New York Comic Con, but that artist alley there and meeting creators like yourself, 
I think that's what sets you know the two cons apart. No, definitely, and I agree with that. I think that you know San Diego Comic Con is where you go to go to Hall H and go hang out and <clears throat> watch the new premieres or trailers or whatever's coming out. Um, and uh, and and not that things don't happen in, in San Diego Comic Con. I think that if you're if you're going out there and you're in the right circles, you could probably get your intellectual property into you know some producers, executive producers' hands. Uh, you could probably meet some influential people from Marvel and DC and Image um, that you probably can't meet at <clears throat> in New York Comic Con. But um, but New York Comic Con is definitely more TV. It's the writers' con. You know, New York is the writers' city. You know, like if you want to be a playwright or you want to be in TV, I think you go to New York. If you want to be in movies and spectacles, then you go to California. And I think that those cons kind of take the city's personality in that sense and kind of inject it into themselves. Yeah. What what, uh, what other cons have you gone to since since New York Comic Con and run that down with us a little bit? Um, we've gone. We've done everything from Wizard World, New Orleans, uh, MegaCon, Orlando, Tampa Bay Comic Con, which is great. Uh, Hometown Con, which is Florida SuperCon, um, and then we've done a couple little individual, like little tiny ones here and there. Um, but but New York is this, is is this is. I tell everybody, I'm like, if you've never been to New York Comic Con, you've never been to a comic book convention. You just haven't. Like, I even we we actually did C2E2 this year, and. <clears throat> No offense to C2E2, but wow, what a dump of a show. Like, I mean, it's just, it just, it, it tries to be on the same scale as New York Comic Con, and it just falls real short. And it's funny because it's ran by the same people who I yeah, love. Read, oh, read, read Pop. I love Read Pop. I love Read Pop, and I love what they do. Um, but see, everybody was hyping up C2E2, man, and it's not because we had a bad show. I don't want people thinking, oh, you, you probably just didn't sell any books. That's, it's the total opposite. It's just there was no energy inside the building and I don't know if it was I don't want to say you know it's the, the the citizens of Chicago because I know that they've got some energy but I don't know it just didn't the, the the show didn't feel like the way it should be like on that large scale electricity the way you feel when you walk into the Javits Center I've heard that um, one of our writers went to C2E2 and said kind of the same thing where it was you know trying to be there but it was way less people and he liked the fact that you could walk around, but at the same time, you kind of got bored. Like, whereas in New York Comic Con, even though it's a fight to, to get from one hall, you know, or one end to the other, it could take you, like, it could take you a full hour. I yeah. mean, legit, maybe even two. Um, it, and so, you know, you're not as exhausted after a C2E2, but at the same time, it's like, you kind of like just, like, once you get to a place in New York Comic Con, because it takes so long to get there, you stay there for a while. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You're like, I'm going to look at comic books. I'm going to see an artist alley. I'm going to look at video games. And like you you plant yourself because it's a struggle. Whereas C2E2, I, I guess, from the impression I'm getting, is that you just kind of you go around, you do your thing, and probably by that third day, you're like, eh, I'm good. Let, let me get out of here. Yeah, no, it definitely feels like a much more open con. That was something that I would tell, I was, I was telling my guys, you know, Bob Sally was there with me. Uh, Richard, Richard Rivera, uh, those guys were there with me, and um, and we looked down the aisle, and I can see, you know, clear down the other end of the, uh, you know, this, uh, the the of the event, and it was just, um, and I was just like, dude, what's, you know, it's Saturday, like, I shouldn't be able to see any, you know, how Repop lays down those red carpets, yeah, you know, I could see all the red, and weird. in New York Comic Con, you can't, 
you can't see the red. Like it's all you see is people. It's just droves and droves and droves. I mean, it's you 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 literally have to go through the the the, the Battle of the Bastards, you know, Game of Thrones uh, type of deal to get to the bathroom to go pee. <laughs> you know, you got to mow down fifty people to get a stall. So it's like, you know, like and that's what I that's what you know. I, I guess it's the like I said, New York is second home. So I think it's just since the city is like that because you know New York. If you go into like a little bodega to get yourself a little breakfast sandwich, a little bagel sandwich, you can't sit there and be like, hmm, do I want sausage? Do I want – you got to go. You got to yeah. move, move, move. You know, so even at Starbucks, you're like, yo, I need a venti frap, this whipped cream, lawn fat. You know, boom, go, get in, get out. And that's yeah. the way it is. Like it's just that energy. And and maybe that's what it maybe that's what it is is that there's you know Chicago other even city uh, even other cons like MegaCon, Florida SuperCon who are pretty big in scale, they just they 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 pale in comparison because the energy that New York has is not is you can't duplicate it. Yeah, yeah, you have a very good point. And people who you know are from New York or live in the area, you know, we're both New Yorkers. Um, you know, going down south, for example, everything's slow, slow mm -hmm. pace, slow thinking, slow driving, and we're just like, we know where we're going, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, so you have a purpose, right. you know, not so much meandering around and stuff like that, so, yeah, you know, that's different. So, I wanted, so you, you do the con scene for, you've been doing that for a few years, yeah. um, before we go too far down that road, I want to back up a little bit. And I know you're a pretty big geek. You just watch Game of Thrones, obviously. Right. Um, and I know you like uh, CW shows and stuff like that. Oh, I yeah. want to kind of touch upon some news of this week and just kind of <laughs> back up. Let's do it. Let's yeah, do we're it. Gonna, we're going to geek out a little bit. So, Chris, you want to lead us um, through the news items? Yeah, yeah let's do that. Let's, um, we got, let's, let's get this sad story out of the way for the week. Um, we got a little uh, Anton Yelchin, the actor, uh, passed away this week. Um, you know, at first I I didn't read your article. I didn't read anything. I just heard he died. I was like, oh man, this is like, what happened? You know, is it a drug overdose or what? Ends right. up his you know his Jeep Cherokee crushes him. So it's just like, and it has all to do with like the recall and all that. And it's just it's such a terrible tragedy for something like that to you know take away such a you know young talent. Today's uh, today's geek world, especially you know, starred in Star Trek, uh, you know, um, the remake of Fright Night, and you know, what else? He was in, you know what? Like, I actually like all of his stuff. Mm -hmm. I like Charlie Bartlett. He oh was on Curb Your Enthusiasm. Um, I as you know, like Fright Night's one of my favorite movies of all time. I actually really like the remake. Yeah. I like Burying the X. That was recent. He did it with Joe Dante, the director of Gremlins. Like, I really liked Anton Yelchin. So I was, like, yesterday, you know, when I read the news, I was like, holy shit. Like, that's horrible. And it's such a freak accident. Yeah. Yeah, I was um I was devastated to be honest with you. I mean, I <clears throat> hate to sound like one of those people that attaches themselves to to superstars and things like, or to actors or, or or singers or anything like that. But I do. I kind of I I, I you know you know my 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 bromance with Stephen Amell, um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and it's only because of you know not just because he's on Arrow, but because of everything that he does outside of Arrow. That that just that, that's a shining star in a world where everybody's about you know likes and all kinds of other stuff and who's doing who and what. These are people who, 
you know they stand out to me with with their philanthropy and their and their and their just big heart, their bright soul. And Anton Yelchin was one of those people. Um, I remember watching Charlie Bartlett um, and thinking, "Wow, like this kid is going to take Hollywood by storm." Yeah. And um, and when I read it, I I I swear, I like I closed my laptop and then I opened it back up. And I was just like, this is a hoax. I'm going to click on the article, yep. and it's going to be some stupid troll. And, and no, it wasn't. And, and to, for it to be so, something so stupid as that where, like, you know, you can't the, – the, the, the shift, the gear shift doesn't tell you whether you're in park or neutral. And he probably just got out to go grab the mail is what it looks like. And the car just rolled downhill and turned around and, like, on some Final Destination stuff. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like – so weird, but again, when it's your time, it's your time. Um, but but yeah, I was um, it was tough. Even this morning, I I woke up and I was just like, bro, like it's just one of those things where it's like you almost feel like you know these people because you see them every day, you know. Yeah. And and Star Trek was one of those like I never was a Star Trek kid. I was always a Star Wars kid. Yeah. And when when JJ got a hold of it, um, I was like, well, I'm gonna watch it, obviously. Um, and I watched it, and he was. One of the best things about that movie, like his checkoff was like he instantly became my favorite Star Trek character. And I started to go back and like look at the older checkoff and look at the older Star Treks and be like, dude, this kid nailed it. Like he he you could tell he studied those characters. Yep. And uh, yeah, just a just a shame, dude. Just a real shame. Yeah, it's been a horrible year. <laughs> yeah. Like I can't listen to David Bowie. Mm-hmm. You know, without getting an emotional Prince, I was listening to Prince yesterday, and it's just like, God damn, you know, we're losing some big people this year, and it's not even, you know, it's only half done. Mm-hmm. So yeah, rest in peace, Anton Yelchin. You will definitely be missed. Moving on, uh, so about a little Marvel Marvel movie casting news. Uh, we have a little Doctor Strange news from the. We're, we've been kind of wondering who Mads uh, Mikkelsen was going to play in the movie. Uh, it's been revealed that he will pay, play. I'm going to butcher this. Casilius. Casilius. Casilius, yeah. uh, who is an agent of Baron Mordo. Uh, cool. Uh, there was there was rumors that maybe he'd be uh, Dormammu or whatever his name is. Dormammu, yeah. Dormammu. Um, but you know, that's we'll see how this kind of plays out. Also, uh, Rachel McAdams is going to play. The night nurse, uh, Chris, Christine Palmer. So that's uh, two roles now that we know for the next upcoming uh, Doctor Strange movie. What say you guys? I love Mads, man. I think he's he's a brilliant actor, and um, to put him across the you know the, to, to put him on the same screen as like Chitwell Elephor and and Benedict Cumberbatch and Tilda Swinton, um, you just knew he was gonna <clears throat> just be as bad as all bad can be. So uh, he, I think he's going to bring it. I, uh, I watched Hannibal, and uh, I'm a big fan of – and uh, people are going to probably be like, are you kidding me? But I loved uh, Red Dragon so much, uh, more than even Silence of the Lambs. I just love the Hannibal Lecter lure. And um, and he brought something that I had never seen to the role, um, you know, even from Anthony Hopkins, was just this, this poise that he has, the way that he kind of <clears> – <throat> no pun intended – chews on his lines. Um, <laughs> It's just—it's one of those things where it's like, you know, you—you you can't teach that. You're—you're you're born with this gift. So Mads, Mads Mikkelsen is—I was ecstatic when he got when he got casted because for a while it was like, 
is he is he casted? Is he not casted? And you know, and he was playing with um, with interviewers all the time. Like, oh, I'm just waiting for the call from Marvel, um, and I'm sure he had gotten it a while ago. Uh, but yeah, when they finally announced that, I was just like, oh god! And you look at the trailer, and this this is going to be the inception of Marvel movies. Like, this will be the first Oscar-winning comic book movie, I think. To be honest, I mean, other than you know the the, the posthumous uh, award for 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 the Joker. Uh, for Heath Ledger, I'm talking about like best. This thing has the the, the opportunity to, to even get nodded for like best picture, I think, because it's just looking like nothing we've ever seen come out of Marvel Studios. As well, it should. I mean, this is Doctor Strange. Doctor right. Strange is like the most messed up character, arguably in the MCU um, or just in Marvel comics in general. I mean, most of the writers were tripping acid in order to get ideas. You know what I mean? Like, I think that that trait, well, teaser really gave us no indication of where this movie's going to go. I think Scott uh, Derrickson, the director, the director of Sinister, I mean, like, he's going to take us down a horror realm, a psychedelic realm. I think we're going to see things that we, like you said, in, in Marvel, we've never seen this before. Yeah. Um, in the casting choice, Mad Mickelson... Um, you know what? I didn't really get familiar with him. He was one of those kind of actors where I saw him, and I was like, oh, I know that guy from somewhere, but it was uh, Casino Royale, mm-hmm. where he was um, Le Chief, and he was the bad guy in that. And then ever since then, it was like Mad Mix and Mad Mix, and, and you know, moving on forward, like Hannibal. Um, I actually really like him in uh, Wrath of the Titans. Yeah. <laughs> I love that movie. Or Clash of the Titans, Clash of the Titans, not Wrath. The remake, but he's a good guy in that. It's like one of the only movies where he's actually good. But um, he's a fantastic actor. Look forward to him being in that movie. Look forward to seeing him in uh, Rogue One. And Rachel McAdams, like America's sweetheart. I mean, she's up there. Like, oh yeah, great. Yeah. So, so Chris said the night nurse. So does that mean? Well, I, I mean, I know that that several got two of them. Right. I know several characters have held that moniker, but so but two different. Obviously, from Daredevil, and now her character in the MCU. Um, so I'm taking. Will this one become like the official Night Nurse? Like, will she have? Will she play that role that she plays in the comic books, or is it going to be more like a the, the Daredevil? I'm wondering, or is she's just uh, a doctor, you know, or a nurse, uh, maybe a love interest for Benedict Cumberbatch? She just seems like such a heavy hitter to waste on that kind of just like you know co-starring role like here kind of almost like uh, you know uh, Natalie Portman in Thor you know she's such a, a great actress but like totally misused underused doesn't you know no character development whatsoever just really a, a placeholder and a pretty face I would say I mean well Chris you, you give me your thoughts I you know I would say that she has just a connection to, you know, Stephen Strange before he becomes Doctor Strange, perhaps. Um, maybe they had a love interest before, and now it's kind of this character that kind of rides alongside with his, you know, his transformation um, into the, you know, the, to the supernatural side of, of being a quote-unquote superhero. Um, but, you know, I guess, I guess what Ruben's saying makes a little more sense, because how can they really concentrate a that much time on her when you're really building a character as, as um, important as Doctor Strange throughout this whole movie. So I can see her as just kind of being a, more of a throwaway character um, and just kind of being like 
a Rosario Dawson where she just kind of just shows up once in a while because, like we said, who doesn't want to be in a Marvel movie anyhow? Right. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I hope they don't waste Rachel McAdams. Mm-hmm. Um, she's got a lot of star power. I I really, really hope they don't have a love interest. Like, I actually am getting, like, really sick and tired of seeing it forced in movies. Like, that was one of my favorite things about Force Awakens is that, mm-hmm. you know, Finn and Ray or... Finn and Poe didn't have a love interest because really I just don't want to see it right now at least. Um, so in dealing with Doctor Strange, I think like he's got too big of a story. We don't need to throw that in as well. But I think that like we pretty much know that uh, Rosario Dawson's going to show up in like all these shows and kind of be the anchor between all of them. I think that if Rachel McAdams shows up in Doctor Strange and then shows up in, like, Infinity War, and shows up, you know what I mean? But as that nurse that takes care of these superheroes, I think that would be a pretty cool uh, cinematic anchor, and in which case she's not so much of a throwaway character as Natalie Portman is, personally. I I just don't, it's kind of strange not, you know, to have two night nurses in this universe already. I mean, it's like... Well, there's multiple in the comics. I understand, but, I mean, Rosario Dawson exists on both the TV and and the movie level so it's it's like we we've said before it's like so you can't it's a great way to connect the movie and the TV world by having her play the same character especially since you know Doctor Strange is is a supernatural superhero in the first place but he does exist within the street you know the street level of the Marvel universe where like you know city downtown exactly like village iron fist to walk down to his house and you know do whatever you know so it's like i i i guess it's cool but it's like it would just have been as easy just to put Rosario Dawson in the movie if it's going to be like a small role. And it, she's already established, so it's like, why why even use Rachel McAdams? Yeah. But, whatever. That would have been more smart. Um, I agree, <laughs> actually. Alright, let's move on, though. Alright, here's, uh, Robin, you caught up on DC Rebirth? You've been reading? Um, yeah, as a matter of fact, I caught, I, I read the, the event book, and then I read Green Arrow, Batman, Detective Comics, and Titans. Excellent. Okay, cool. Excellent. Then we, we won't talk about the other ones, but we'll, we'll no. touch on those. Well, I mean... Oh, oh, and The Flash. And The Flash. Which okay. is and you've been reading Civil War? No. Okay. No. So, I've, 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 given up on, I've given up on Marvel books, man. See, oh. I, I found out what the, what, what the whole Civil War 2, like the whole <laughs> guffin was, and I was just like, you gotta be sh- kidding me. Like, I was just like... I'm good. Like, I don't know. The only Marvel book, and it's not even a Marvel, like, it's a Marvel book because it's on their imprint, but it's Star Wars. I read Star Wars. Um, that's it. I don't... I'm, after Secret Wars, dude, I was just like, all right, you guys, you guys, you guys got to do something. And and uh, and really, it, it was like that for me for on both ends. Like, you know, I was I was spent off of the, the new 52 mm-hmm. reboots. Oh, okay. And I was spent after... Civil uh, uh, Secret Wars. Uh, the only book that I liked out of Secret Wars, to be honest with you, was the uh, was the Western, like nineteen twenty seven or nineteen something or eighteen seventy two. Oh, eighteen seventy two. That was that was that was the most creative book out of the whole lot. Like it was just you know they had the whole town and it's like Kirby River and like all of this stuff and it was just it was really really cool. All like the the Wilson Fisk boys and. 
Captain America was the was was the sheriff, and Tony Stark was the town drunk inventor, and <laughs> it was like it was like really cool. It was a uh, it was very very creative, and but I was I was spent, and then uh, and then Jeff Johns announced this whole rebirth thing, and I was like, here we go, yeah, that's you know, let's just rebrand the new Fifty Two one more time, mm-hmm. um, and then and then I read it, and eh, I'm sorry, anybody that's read that event book, if if that's not like the most brilliant like turn that they can give us that last panel with Batman. <clears throat> Hopefully everybody's read it so far. Spoilers, oh, spoilers. Yeah, spoilers, spoilers. Holding holding that button, <clears throat> the Watchmen button is what I call it, you know. Um and making them part of their linear uh world, you know, canon. Um was brilliant. Was brilliant. So I can't and bringing and of course, you know, bringing back Wally, which is, you know, probably one of the you know one of the hardest deaths I ever had to endure in DC Comics was Wally West, and and now having him back, uh, I'm just I'm so ecstatic about it. And the fact that it was Barry <clears throat> saying his name that brought him back into existence was was brilliant. It was brilliant. So yes, I I love Rebirth right now. Awesome. Yeah, we do too. Um, I think it's just it's I do like how they they didn't erase the New Fifty Two that they came up with a really intelligent way to explain it. Um, I feel, you know, with Marvel, you know, they just announced today there's going to be another, I guess, a reboot, Earth world-shattering event from Marvel coming up. So it's like in September. In September. So like, all right, now we have to play. We have to now we have to do something to make up for what Rebirth is doing to us because everybody's loving Rebirth. But it's like we don't want to see that. It's like I I moved away from reading a lot of Marvel uh, titles. I read most of the street level ones now, like Daredevil and. And um, you know Moon Knight, and you know some of the more obscure ones, because they're just they're more grounded, and they're just better stories than these 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 big stories they're trying to do. You know what I mean? So it's it's kind of frustrating now to hear this another another event reboot, whatever you want to say, is coming to uh, try to change things up. So Rebirth, great Marvel, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I think you know. Unfortunately, their their main focus, I think, right now, which is not bad for them, is is their movies, and yeah. I get that. Um, but they <clears throat> they need to do some. I mean, they're this. You know, to me, they're the staple. I, th- I think when you th- when you think comic books, as much as I love DC and I love DC's characters, Marvel is Marvel is that staple. You know, Marvel is that bar, yeah. um, and um, and they just need to get back to telling you know good stories and and quit trying to re- reinvent the wheel and and change things up so much just just tell good stories and and I don't know why that's difficult I don't you know I I can see where sometimes in, in the shuffle of continuity you screw things up so bad DC where you where you have to do big things you have to do major things but then you take that moment, like like rebirth. Now I'm pretty sure they're being very very caught, and it's not just. Let, let, and let's be honest here, it's not just a rebirth when it comes to their stories. They're changing the way that company handles things. You know, they all of their books are 2.99 across the board, which is huge for comic yeah. books. Okay, um, you know, they sold that 80 page comic book for 2.99. That sets a standard all across the board for mainstream comic books. Um, they're they're trying to change the revolutionize the face of the comic book world, the comic book industry. Marvel is now playing catch-up because they're busy in their sandbox over there at Marvel Studios, and that's fine. I know they're two separate entities, but believe you me, like the, all the guys at top that are making these choices, they're, they've got their hand, they're double-dipping, you know? Um, so they have to do something at Marvel 
where they get their stories, their their writers back in line, um, and and it doesn't necessarily have to be a world-shattering event. I mean, their continuity is pretty skewed after this whole Secret Wars thing. It, it kind of, that was another thing that I just walked away just feeling like I was a little bit lost. I didn't know where, where we kind of fell um, after Secret Wars. Um, so I just kept reading Spider-Man. I kept reading Captain America. And then and then I kind of just, I was like, you know what, I give up. Like, I'm I'm good. And uh, and that's when I ventured off into, like, books that I, that I had never read uh, which led me to go buy. Uh, I know people are going to crucify me for this. They're like, "Oh, big comic book writer, never read." But I never had never read Snyder and Caputo's Batman run, but only because I was afraid of the whole reboot thing. You know, like right. I had just gotten back into into Batman comic books when the New Fifty Two happened, and I was just like, uh, "Now what? Like, now where do I start? Now where do I go?" And and then I was like, "You know what? I just started, you know." I started leaning to more towards indies, and everybody kept on telling me, "Oh, Snyder and Capullo, Snyder and Capullo." I was like, "Yeah, whatever. They'll they'll reboot that, you know, in a couple of months, and you know, it'll be a whole new team." And no, I mean, talk about Batman and Robin of the you know of of the comic book creating world. These yeah. guys, they, you know, I'm on volume five of uh, Zero Year, uh, where he's dealing with um, Doctor Death, and um, it's. It's like you know. It's like you've been to Gotham so many times, you know. But he has him and Capullo like put it in this different. Like I was, the the only way I can explain it is like it's like almost having your memory wiped, but like you still have like that residual. Like you know, like you you can almost recall certain things. And yeah. it's like you know, when I was reading Court of Owls, it was like it's like I I know the Court of Owls story. Like I know the back of my hand, but. I was turning each page like, what's coming? What's next? You know, and like they, they just took it up another level and another level. And so far, I mean, even in Zero Year, where you expect it to be like dark and gloomy, almost like Batman Year One, they change the art up and like it's bright and it's colorful and it's like they take you on this whole different ride and it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. So yeah. So I mean, I just, uh, I you know. Moving back and forth, uh, you know, between comic books, but, but yeah, no, Marvel definitely needs to step their game up. They need to, they need to get on board and kind of just decide on what it is that they want to, who they want to be, and what stories they want to tell. I think. I will play devil's advocate and say I've been reading uh, Civil War two, mm-hmm. and it's really good. <laughs> Honestly, it really is. But, and and I've been reading like Old Man Logan. I've been reading Hawkeye. I've been reading Ant Man. Um, I have not read the Uncanny Inhumans and all that stuff, but like, my problem is is that with Secret Wars because it went, it was supposed to end in October and it went to January, but in October all those other titles started. Mm-hmm. That's what screwed things up. It's because you didn't know how Secret Wars was going to end, so you didn't know how that was going to affect the continuity of what you were currently reading, right. and that fucked everything up going forward and Civil War 2 is a weird enough idea where like if they just didn't call it Civil War I would have been like okay this is cool this is like just if they could have called it anything and everyone would have been like fine but now you call it Civil War 2 it's a money grab because Civil War came out and Batman v Superman came out and some other V you know all these versus movies came out so like you kind of like screwed yourself by doing that um I think that with Marvel, it's 
I don't think that the writing's bad. They actually got you know they got Jeff Lemire, who's freaking fantastic. Oh no, I love Lemire. I love Lemire, yeah. and I love uh, Ramon Perez, who does Hawkeye. Um, I was just on a panel with him at MegaCon. Yep. Um, I just think that because of the continuity, again, like the the story, because again, it's not like these guys are coming in there pitching ideas. I mean, they do to a certain extent, but let's let's be honest here. They, you know, Marvel, the company has an agenda. They know yes. what they want to do. So yes. it's like they, they, these guys can only come in and tell so much and do so much that you know, at least in in my eyes, I, I if it works anything like the film industry, of course, the director directs the movie, but the studio has final cut. You know what I'm saying? So, so it's like you have to you have to adhere to some certain guidelines. To me, I think that that that's what Marvel needs is is to kind of like let loose and let these guys have fun. Uh, you know, guys that le- like Lemire and and Perez, you could tell they're having fun on their books. You know, um, and they're and they're doing and they're do- and they're bringing things to the story that are just a little bit different and and out of the box. Right. Um, so, so yeah, I think that that's what it, you know. They just need to loosen the reins on their writers and let them, you know, have their have their fun. Uh, same thing. Like somebody told me, like the whole plot device behind Civil War two, and I was like, you know what? That's that's really smart. If you would have called it anything else other than Civil War, yeah, I would be with you. I that's would be buying. I would be buying that book. But yeah. it's Civil War, quote unquote. It just doesn't, you know. It's it's a it's a money grab, and that to me, I can't. You know, I just. I won't. I won't get behind it. Like I said, I might, you know, pick up the graphic novels, or we just talked about, you know, in September there's another earth-shattering event. <laughs> Depending on on what that earth-shattering event is, um, maybe I'll get back into Marvel books. But for right now, I'm, you know, I'm sticking to my, D, you know, to DC and to to the indie comics, uh, you know, world. Well, reading Snyder Capullo's run is arguably one of the best Batman stories ever told. If somebody were to say this is the best Batman that I've ever read, I wouldn't even fight them about it. I could cite other examples where I would be like, oh, Dark Knight Returns, and you know what I mean? Like, I love Year One, I love No Man's Land, I love a bunch of different stories, but if you said that was it, I would go, I'm cool with that, Now I'm going to try to fight you on it. Because when I read Court of Owls, it literally blew my mind. Because I go, this is Batman, who I've known my entire life, this is Gotham, who I've known my entire life, and now it's like... This is that you completely changed the game with that story, and then they just kept it going for the next five years. Yeah, yeah, no, it's 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 in, it's incredible. I think in one of the bat in the one of the one of the back of the books on on the trade says, uh, you know, the definitive writer of Batman for our generation, and um, I was just talking to a friend of mine, and I was like. I was like, that's what I want, you know, like that. I know it's such a like high bar, but it's like. Yeah. It's like, dude, can you know? Because I love Batman. Like, I, I feel like I know him so well, you know. And um, and even now, reading Snyder's run, even though there's like new things that he's teaching me about him, uh, I still feel like he's, you know, like a, a big brother that I never had or that I always had, but from a distance. Um, and it's like, I wonder if I could, you know, set the bar higher. But again, it's it's only because. It's an inspiration. So you know, you want to be the best. You you go after the best. You 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 try to be. You try to emulate the best. You know, uh, LeBron is a big you know is a big example of that. You know, uh, as much as I harp on the guy, you know what he did last night. You know, getting away from comics a little bit. Uh, you know, is is something for the history books. It's not just for Cleveland. It's not just for 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 an organization. It's an individual who who strives to be the best. And I think that that he proved that last night. And I think that Snyder did that 
Capullo did that with Batman. Snyder and Capullo did that with Batman. They set out to tell the best Batman story ever. And they had all of those. They had No Man's Land. They had, you know, The Dark Knight Returns. They had all of that stacked up against them. And they didn't let that affect them. As a matter of fact, there's a lot of No Man's Land in, in Zero Year. There's a lot of yeah. uh, Dark Knight Returns in, in, in Snyder's Batman. You know, like the way that he, you know, before we get, you know, before it takes you back to, to Zero Year, there's like this this grit that that no other no, that no other Batman has had, uh, other than Frank Miller's Batman. Uh, so I think that 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 that's you know as a writer myself, that's what I strive for. And if I can if I if I ever get to that point where I am writing for a Batman or a Flash or a Spider Man or, or Wolverine or whoever, that's what I'm going after, man. I'm going after to tell the best story ever told. And you know, and it's only because these guys came before me and made me you know and and gave me the bar to shoot for. I awesome. agree. Awesome. Um, so this is what I'm thinking because we can go and talk about news the rest of the night. I'm pretty much guarantee it. <laughs> what I think I'm going to do is like completely switch gears. And um, why don't we say this? You were talking about, you know, Capullo. And we're talking about some of the great writers, Miller, and everything like that. What got you into comics? Let's let's go and talk about Think Alike. So how did you even get here? Um, okay, so as a kid, um, I grew up uh, in Miami, Florida. I had two older brothers. Um, around third grade, uh, I came home with like a really, really good progress report. And, um, and my brother, my oldest brother, uh, Alex, uh, as a reward, went. Uh, he was like, he was like, I'm gonna go. He was like, I'm gonna bring you something. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna reward you. And I was like, all right, cool. You know, so I waited like a bunch of days. You know, he worked at Taco Bell at the time. Uh, I guess he finally got paid, and uh, he comes home with like this big binder and all these car, all these plastic sheets, and he he hands me like a box, a little you know, a little cardboard box, and you know, he had wrapped it or whatever. I tear it open, and it was like a box. It was like a pack of uh, Marvel comic cards, but it wasn't like just a single pack. It was like the whole box, and um, and Claire? Claire yeah, cards? yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, and and that's what got me into comic books, man. Like the you know the Marvel comic book cards got me into comic books, and um, and it just introduced me to this whole other world. Uh, and then I I really didn't you know I collected here and there, um, but but it was only when I could you know when I could get my hands on them, and you know my mom was a single mom, so it was like money was was always tight in my house. So it was never it was never really about me collecting comic books. It was like if I could, I would. Sometimes my brothers would bring me some. Sometimes my dad would buy me one or two. But I was never a big like collector. I I actually didn't start collecting until about four years ago, and now my closet is like overflowing. I have a I have a serious comic book addiction problem. Um, I need to talk to somebody about it. Um, but um, don't talk to us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're just gonna you're just gonna encourage me. Um, but yeah, no man. And uh, and what's crazy is um, I just uh, I just started to 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 read the back of the cards. When I couldn't get comic books, so like I, I became a Marvel comic book character expert because of these cards. So like I grew up, you know, being able to kind of hang in these in these geek and nerd circles because I knew so much about you know Doctor Doom or or Doc Ock or Spider Man or Venom or you know Captain Marvel, and um, and then. And then Tim Burton's Batman came out, uh, or I remember watching Tim Burton's Batman for the first time because it was like 1989, um, yeah, and 
and that that changed the game for me too. Like, I just fell in love with Batman, and then it was just I was just Batman obsessed. I was like, <laughs> I thought I was Batman for a long time, um, and uh, and yeah, man, it just it, it just went from there. Um, and then as far as where we are now, flash forward to to where we are now. Um, I, uh, I I did music. I rapped for ten years. Believe it or not, I was a oh, I was wow. a I was a rapper. Um, I had a I had a group. Um, you know, we were putting out mixtapes and we were doing all these things, and uh, and from about twenty two till till I was about twenty eight or twenty nine years old, um, it was like the music industry. Every you know, I was in the studio every night. Yeah. I was writing. I was putting out mixtapes. I was doing all of that, and. Um, and uh, I knew I wanted to transition. I wanted to, to make a change just because, you know, music, hip-hop in that sense wasn't the same anymore. And, uh, and the, the kind of rapper that I was isn't what you hear on, on the radio now. And music was already kind of, you know, going that route. And I was like, man, you know, there's, I got to do something else. And I always loved writing. And uh, there was a competition for Amazon. Amazon was doing a script writing competition. Mm -hmm. So I wrote a script called Highly Contagious with my co-writer on the agency, Roger Cabrera, which is a – the movie's like – is a zombie flick, but it's kind of like a, you know, Zombieland meets Pineapple Express. It's like, you know, Stoner. a stoner – yeah, it's like a stoner zombie comedy where, like, you know, weed is the cure to zombieisms and, like – you know the stoners figure it out, and it's like it's, you know, it's kind of all the. You, Chris, you don't want to become a zombie. <laughs> <laughs> I had to, I had to hang that head up, buddy. <laughs> so yeah, so I I wrote that and um, and I got the bug, man. You know, like I I I recorded middle school, and I tell this a lot, and it's the truth. I wish I still had the notebooks. I used to write a lot of fan fiction for like Sequest and Ninja Turtles and Mighty Morphin Power Rangers and and all this stuff. Yeah, Jonathan Ohm, dude. Can I tell you how happy I was the other day when I found out that Sequest was on Netflix? I, was I remember like, you saying that. <laughs> I yeah. was so ecstatic. Oh, we, we were obsessed. Oh, my God. So, so, yeah, so, I mean, I was always a writer, you know, um, but I caught the bug and uh, after I wrote uh, Highly Contagious. And the funny thing was is we didn't win the competition, but we were getting, like, a bunch of really good reviews on the screenplay, and people were like, this is funny, this is hilarious, you know, this should win, you know, this definitely needs to be a movie, um, so that kind of got me, you know, all amped up, I was like, oh man, maybe I'm, maybe I'm, I'm a good writer, maybe me and Roger have something here, and um, so the competition ended, and we were, we were roommates at the time, and he was like, dude, don't you feel like writing something, and I'm like, yeah, I was like, what can we write? Let's write another movie, and he's like, he's like, yeah, man, but then we can't, you know, we can't make the movie, and I'm like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> and uh, and then like totally crazy, um, my brother like a week later drops off The Walking Dead, and he's like, "Dude, you gotta read this book." And I was like, "What is it?" And he's like, "Oh, you love zombies, you know? You just wrote, you know, highly contagious. You need to read this this book. This this book's called The Walking Dead. It's by this guy Robert Kirkman. Uh, a show's coming out soon. You gotta you gotta read it." Yeah. And I'm like, "Have you read it?" And he was like, "Nah." And I was like, "So why are you telling me?" And he's like, "Well, I just bought it at Barnes and Noble for you." And I'm like, "He's like, I know you like zombies." I was like, "All right, cool." So I like sat there for a while, and then finally I remember just being at home, and I was like, "I'm just gonna open this thing up, see what's up." I read it in like, like. 45 minutes. I read it from cover to like the hardbound cover to cover. I read it in like 45 minutes and then read it again. And I was just like, this is, 
this is crazy. This yeah. is the, and then and then I was back in into comic book stores and a week later I had a pull list and a week after that Roger was like my my co-writer was like he was in the comic book store and now we both had pull list and yeah. we were both collecting comic books and he was like we should write a comic book and I was like all right yeah let's write a comic book had no idea had no idea what we were doing and I was like well I guess it's like this you know page 1 you know and I was I would look at a comic book and I would think how do you how do you write a script? How do you, you know, because I didn't know how to write a movie script, so I Googled it, and I got examples. Same thing with comic books. I went and I, and I found what was funny is I found Alan Moore scripts. And if you've ever seen an Alan Moore script, Dude. oh my God, it's like a, it's like a verse from the Bible. Like yeah. it's so descriptive. And I was like, okay, this is not how I want to do it. I don't even write movie scripts like this. Um, you know, so I focus on ma mainly just place and setting and uh, atmosphere, time of day sort of things and then you know my focus is dialogue you know like I feel like through dialogue and exposition and things like that you get to know your characters you get to peel back those layers and then every now and then you hold back and, and you let your artist you know do some beautiful splash pages or double splash pages to kind of like immerse your reader into a scene into your book um, so so yeah I mean before we knew it you know we were writing the agency and um, it was a work in progress uh, my my ex-wife at the time who was my wife um, was um, was you know had just moved in with us as well, um, and uh, she was my girlfriend at the time, and then we got married. Uh, but um, but yeah, no, and then she started to add her elements, and she became like the kind of like just the guiding light, kind of like the, the the cadence, so to speak. Uh, yeah. Person, she's just keeping us on track, and she you know she came up with this really cool story plot that I'm going to introduce in volume two of the agency um, that that hopefully will be out at the end of this year, uh, October hopefully. Um, and yeah, I mean, we just we just started to just m m put all this stuff together, and uh, and before you know it, you know, we were at New York Comic Con with the agency number one, and it was it was nuts. It was a freaking roller coaster, dude. And like, even now, I look back and volume one sitting on my desk. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't move. You know, like it sits there to remind me, like you've done this. This is you've you've put out a volume of work. You know, and then I look at like Snyder and Capullo and like the nine volumes of uh, of, of Batman, and I'm like. There's another bar, you know what I'm saying? Like there's 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 another one. Like this is what you shoot for. Um, so so yeah, man. I mean, it's just it, that that's you know, it started very simply from from a deck of you know a couple decks of Marvel cards to where I am now. It, it was it was definitely a run, and people they people find it funny because they're like, dude, you used to rap. You're like a super big nerd. And they're like, what would you rap about? And I'm like, oh, just you know, I don't know stuff. And uh, it's crazy because I look at it now and I listen to my music now, and I'm like. I could never do it. I could never do that anymore. Like if I if if I if I rapped right now, if I freestyled, I would probably be talking about Snyder and Capullo and their Batman run. You know, like it's so crazy, it's so crazy. That's so funny, dude. Wow. So I'm I'm gonna go that you're more hip hop than rap. Then yeah. okay. Yeah. yeah, definitely. You more know, spoken word and yeah, tribe called Quest, Nas. Yeah. You know, Jay Z from in the beginning. Uh, <laughs> even though to me Jay is king, I love I love everything that he does. Um, but um, but yeah, no, I mean, you know, just just not commercial hip hop. We 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 had we 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 tried to talk about real deal things that were going on in Miami. Um, and of course, we had our party music and our what they I guess what they call trap music now. You know, talking about the block and the street and the things you were doing as a kid. Um, you know. But um, but mostly you know when I sat down to write verses I tried to I tried to definitely deliver a message and and you know I mean I, I like I said I I was just listening to my music the other day and I was like talking about 
how George Bush like ruined New Orleans with you know and the whole thing with Katrina and like all these things and I'm like I was like wow man I was like CNN like I was like a hip hop CNN, um, but yeah it was it was pretty crazy it's pretty crazy. <laughs> man, you came a long way from Kirkman to uh, Comic Con, really. <laughs> It's been a, it was a roller coaster, man. It was a roller, and I'm still on it. You know, like it's, it's it's crazy. Like I was just telling you, I was I was just at MegaCon. I didn't even table at MegaCon, and um, and I was put on a panel by another uh, Florida creator who has a, a great book called Joshua Black. His name is Martin Dunn. Uh, dude is like he's been in it for a while. Um, he's got a, a company kind of like Think Like Productions, but it's called CAE Studios, uh, and they're on a different level. Like they have a whole. They even have a bullpen of like writers and artists that you can hire to do your books and things like that. Um, so he's a he's a he's a really cool guy, and um, and he's embraced me, man. Like in in a way that no other Florida creator or company has uh, embraced me. He's he's really like he's like oh you you know you're you're Ruben you're think alike I get that I don't want, I'm not trying to absorb you I'm not trying to make you I want I want you to succeed just as much as you know I succeed. And he put me on a uh, on a panel with Amy Chu. Who's uh, writing Poison Ivy right now? Yep. yep. Uh, Ramon Perez, who's writing uh, Hawkeye for Marvel. Yep. Uh, you know, so I mean, it was just, it was like yeah. this. Yeah, it was all star. I mean, really. Yeah, it was nuts. It was nuts. And here I am, just you know, kid, four years into this thing, and you know, indie guy sitting there with Amy Chu and and, and Ramon Perez, uh, and Brian Polito as well, who does Lady Death. Uh, they call him the the prince of the indie comics because he's he's never worked for 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 the big two, but he's done everything from like Nightmare on Elm Street to yeah. to to everything everything I that you read his stuff for Chaos Comics a long yeah. time ago. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so you know I'm here sitting on on the panel with these three heavyweights, and uh, and it was the craziest thing. I'm not gonna lie, man. It was nuts because the panel ended, you know, and of course I fanboyed. I took a picture with Amy Chu because yeah. Hurst. Her, you want to talk about a story? Like her story's nuts, the way that she did it. But we won't even go there. You got <laughs> to hear it. Like if you if you go to New York Comic Con this year, you got to go to any panel that she's on to see if she tells it. Because she tells okay. It. You got to hear it from like the horse's mouth, so to speak. Um, so I won't I won't I won't you know ruin her story. But um, but it was weird because I took a picture with her, and as I'm getting off stage, you would think that people would try to like talk to you know Perez or Polito or Chu. I had like a bunch of people come up to me and start asking me questions, and like it was so crazy. Like I felt like I was like it was like an out about out of body experience where I was like I was like wow, and like I immediately went and thanked Martin for putting me on the show. I mean, putting me on the panel. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I was just like wow. And then throughout the whole course of the con, because I was there for four days or three days after that day, um, people were stopping me who had been inside the the panel, and they were like, oh, can I take a picture with you? Uh, where can I find your book? And I'm like, dude, what are you like? Are you kidding me? Like, why do you want a picture of me? Like, I'm just whatever. Like, you know, you know. And they're like, nah, man, you had some great information, and you know, I went on your website, I went on Facebook, and you guys are doing, you know, I'm like, dude, that was just last night. And they're like, yeah, but you know, you, I went home and started researching you, and I'm like, all right, well, don't dig too deep. I don't, I don't want you to find anything crazy. Um, but. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, no, it was. Uh, it's nuts. It's nuts. It's 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 crazy the way things are, are going. By the end of this year, we're gonna have like 22 titles under Think Alike. Uh, I work yeah. with some of the best creators. You know, Bob Sally is just a workhorse. I mean, Salvagers is one of the best books out there uh, in the indie community right now. I work with uh, Richard Rivera, who does Storm Pirates, Stabity Bunny, Wild Bull and Chipper. 
uh, <clears throat> I'm gonna see if I can get you guys copies of those books so you can read them. I mean, this guy's another—he's another just a workhorse dude. I met him last year, last year in February, and we're in what June, yeah. and he's got—he's got three books out, three books out, including a children's coloring book, <laughs> so four books out. In, in in less than a, like it was crazy. It's a year and a few months. So he's a hell of a workhorse. And and of course you know I'm forgetting a bunch of guys and uh, and girls uh, under our label. But uh, yeah. you know if I sit here and rattle everybody off and talk how great they are, we're going to be here forever. But, <laughs> but yeah, no man, I'm I'm privileged to work with some of the best people. My co-writer Roger Cabrera is my backbone. He's he's definitely without him I would not be able to do this. Um, so yeah, man. I mean it's just it worked. Came a long way. Oh, and I got to give my book to Stan Lee at MegaCon, and he asked me to autograph it, which was the craziest situation ever. That so. is fucking awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I remember when Chris and I were kids, because um, we've known each other for too long, uh, but we would be able to send comics to Stan Lee to get signed back in the day. So I, signed, or I sent uh, Venom Lethal Protector. What did you send? Because you you actually same, got yours back. I didn't get mine back. Same book. Same book, yeah. <laughs> I sent like ten of them, but he, yeah. he only signed one of them <laughs> and sent me a nice letter with it. <laughs> back when Marvel was uh, desperate for any way to get exposure so you could let young kids send their books to him. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you, you look at him in the movies and he seems like really spry and like, you know, just aware of everything. And I'm he, he is, but he's deaf as all hell like yeah. it was hilarious because we you know we got up to the table and my, my my friend of mine had paid for the autograph and I was like well I'm just gonna wait in line with you you know kill time yeah. you know he was in that line for like most of the day I was like I'm not gonna leave you alone um, so I stood in line with him and I was like because I was determined to give him the agency volume one and I was like man I hope they don't turn me away so finally we get up there and you know my friend gives him like the Stan Lee exclusive pop that he wanted him to sign he right. signs it and uh, and I give it to I, I give him the book and I was like hey I just I wanted to give this to you Stan because you know if it wasn't for you I would never have written comic books you know like your characters your your world inspired me so the guy next to him leans over like literally like in his ear and is like he says that he writes comic books because you inspired him <laughs> and I was like wow I was oh. like I was like okay so he can't hear me yeah. so then. So Stanley looks down, looks at the book, and he's like, he's like, wow, you know, in that Stanley voice, you know, and he's like, he's like, you did this, and I'm like, he's like, I'm like, you know, now I know he's deaf, so I'm like, yes, I wrote it, <laughs> and he's like, you wrote it, and I'm like, yeah, and he's like, well, did you autograph it, and I was like, no, I was like, no, sir, and he was like, well, then autograph it, and he like slides it my way, and he like <laughs> throws me a sharpie, and uh, and I autograph it, and I, I give it back to him. And he's like, I'm gonna read it. Thank you. And you know, went you know in his bag or whatever. But it was <laughs> it was one of those things where it's like, oh crap, I'm signing. You know, I had a very similar experience with George Perez, who was one of my favorite artists of all time. Oh yeah. Um, you know, yeah. I gave I gifted him a book, and and he was like, well, did you did you autograph it? And at the time, I was very emotional because it was like the first year uh, that the book was out, and um, and my mom had just passed away. So it was like. I was a very emotional wreck anyway. But yeah. George Perez was like, did you sign it? And like in the middle of my autograph, like he's got tear marks on his comic book because I was oh. crying because I was crying because I was autographing the book for George Perez. And like I, I, you know, I didn't tear up with Stan 
you know, I guess it was it was more of like surprise and shock and awe at yeah. that moment that it was like, you know, I mean, Jesus, he's the godfather of comic books. I mean, let's be real. <laughs> you, you say comic books, you think Stan Lee. So it's like, you know, ha having him ask you for your autograph is is completely crazy. So that was that was amazing. Game over, man. Yeah. I think this is a good time to take a short break. Cool. And go to our commercials. And we'll come back in a minute. Hi, I'm Chris. And I'm Casey from Gourmet Scum Radio. We're true cousins talking about geeky pop culture stuff. You a fan of television, music, and movies of the 80s? <laughs> well, we are too. Do you like being transported to galaxies far, far away and the threat of troglodytes that go boom in the night? Well, we're going to geek out about it. Have you ever scared yourself listening to ska music while reading a comic book and sipping on a tasty Jones soda? Then this is the podcast for you. Gourmet Scum Radio is here to tickle your holes and make you believe in dynamite explosions right again. Make sure to check us out on Stitcher and iTunes. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter and check out our website at don'tforgetatowel.com. You won't regret it! There the bugger is. She's a big one, ain't she? Oi! Over 20 points of articulation, great sculpting, and look at the paint job on her. We've been looking all over for this one. Let's get them in our sights and end this hunt now. All right. All right. Steady. Steady now. Got him! It's the pursuit of plastic. Listen to the podcast from the creators of Don'tForgetAtowl.com, geek out about toy news, hunting, and histories on your favorite collectibles. All this top 40 music is so boring. Jeez, I sure wish I had something geeky to listen to. Well, I've got just the thing for you, stranger. Who are you and how did you get in my house? Don't even worry about that. If you're looking for the latest, greatest, and geekiest podcasts around, you should check out Those Geeks You Know. Those geeks you know, wow, three friends talking about comic books, movies, TV shows, all the things that I geek out about. But seriously, you gotta leave now. Be sure to check out Those Geeks You Know on iTunes and Stitcher. You can also like us on Facebook and Twitter and tell everybody that you know. You, you gotta leave, I call the cops. And we're back from those glorious commercials. Uh, we're back with Ruben Romero of Think Alike Productions, our friend and comic creator. Uh, Ruben, let's get down to the bare essentials of your company, Think Alike Productions. Where, where does the name come from? Um, the name came from just um, me and my co-writer and, um, and Bethany Suarez uh, just all being on the same page. Um, we we were, you know, we were kind of like struggling for a name, and she kind of got like harp. Like she started hanging up on this, uh, on this left thumb productions, like that whole Nicki Minaj line. Oh, uh, I've got more, uh, more talent in my left thumb, or something like that. And uh, so she was like, "Oh, left thumb," and I was like, "No way! It's never. We're, it's not gonna happen. Get over it. Not gonna happen." Um, and, <laughs> and my and my best friend, my co-creator Roger, was like, "He's like, yep. I was just thinking the same thing." And uh, and she she sat in the back seat and she was just like, think alike. She was like, like great minds. And I was like, okay. I was like, so what? 
great minds think alike and she's like no just just think alike think alike productions and I'm like that makes a lot of sense and I, you know we started playing with it you know tap tap you know things like that and uh, and it just it just felt right it was one of those things where it was just like okay and um, we immediately like started talking about the logo and how it would be a light bulb with the tap filament and um, and we were just kind of filling ourselves on that, you know. We were just like, yeah, we we thought we had like reinvented the wheel or something, but um, but it was cool. It was like it just felt right to us, and um, and it was it, it was very true to 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 real life because we did like when we would sit in the writers' room, we literally like sometimes I've I've been in other writer rooms and um, and it's like it's almost like a battle of uh, of chess to see who can who can come up with. You know the plot and the dialogue and the la and with us it was very smooth. It was like yeah, I mean obviously we had our our moments with certain characters when we were developing them that you know we felt you know I felt certain things or she felt or he felt certain things needed to be done. But for the most part, when it came to the story and like what we were what we wanted to do, um, it was just like one of us would start talking and the other one would finish it. And it was like, you know, so it was, and it happened a lot. So it was very true to, to our, our relationship in the writer's room. We, we, th we were very much on the same page. We all thought alike uh, in, in a lot of ways. It's, uh, it's awesome, actually. <laughs> That's a really smart idea. <laughs> so explain to me, so you do a writer's room for the comics? Like, how do you do that? Oh yeah, no. I mean, well, now it's 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 difficult because I I live in Tampa and everybody else is down in Miami. Mm -hmm. um, but I have we just recently we we discovered what we're doing right now, which is the Google Hangout, and um, and we've been using that um, to kind of we've been using it mostly to develop the live action pilot for for the agency that we're going to be shooting soon. Um, so I haven't really done it for writing, but I just. Um, I just started doing the um, the outline for for issue six, um, and uh, I'll be I'll be doing one of these tomorrow night with with Roger. So yeah, but before we all used to live together. Even when me and Bethany had gotten married, Roger was like, you know, brother man from the fifth flow for Martin. Remember, like he was just he he lived there. Like it was you know, sandwiches. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And in this case, Roger had keys to the front door. He lived with us, so it was like it was it was you know he was our permanent, you know, live-in guest. Yeah. Um, so we would, in the house that we lived in, we had this converted garage that it was a uh, no you know no cars would go in there. It was like completely converted by the owner of the house. It had an air conditioning separate to to the house. Uh, so we made it our office, and we threw up all kinds of posters and art, and it was just very much uh, a comic book, uh, almost like a. You know uh, what do they call that? Like a man cave, but in this case, you know, a woman occupied it as well. Um, and we would go in there and uh, and we just sit down, uh, uh, you know, in our perspective chairs and just you know throw the phone out and hit record. And we'd have our notebooks and pens and we'd just sit there and talk and treat it like like a real legit writers' room. Like where are we going? What are we doing? What's the next story that we're telling? You know, and it would it would stem you know all the way from just you know from from putting together that issue to you know what cons we were going to, what supplies we needed, you know where you know what was the status of our bank account, what was the status of our copyrights. So it became a, it, it all of a sudden what what turned what, what what began as almost a way to 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 fill my creative bug. You know, and and scratch that itch. All of a sudden, it became a job, 
and yeah. and then all of us, you know, and then I, I, I just, I just kept that mentality, and we, and then we adopted that mentality uh, as a business and as 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 people, and said, okay, this isn't any longer just just a little hobby. Where we want to push this thing to the point where we get the agency on the big screen or you know on TV as a cartoon or a or a live action series. Dude. So, what kind of posters did you have in the writers' room? <laughs> oh man, everything from Batman. I had a Neil Green, uh, Neil Adams, uh, Green Arrow stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, we had some Marvel stuff. We have like the, the quintessential Marvel poster where like it's everybody in the universe and it says Marvel on the floor. We had like the old school one, and then the new school one because and then because and there was a, like a big difference because you know Wolverine's the old school gone. ones. Right, and oh, Spider Man was like in the, yeah, yeah. Spider Man was in the middle, and now their new school one, it's like the Avengers, yep. and the Inhumans and everything. So yep. it was it's was, it was funny to like have those two posters side to side, um, and like see the the difference between them. Um, had a bunch of Star Wars stuff, you know. Uh, it's just it's just a, it looked like it looked like a comic book store threw up in there. <laughs> Welcome to our house. <laughs> Uh-huh. That was just the garage. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So you guys came with Think Lake Productions. Um, tell us about the the agency. Like, who came up with that? How did that come up? Um, like I said, you know, we were talking about it earlier. Um, me and Roger essentially wanted to write a comic book. Yeah. So we just I knew that I didn't want to do superheroes. So I um. We we kind of struggled with content for a while, and he's a big anime fan. And uh, I was washing dishes, and and I was like, "Go throw ideas at me." And he's like, "Well, what about mages?" And I was like, "What's a mage?" And uh, you know, I was like completely oblivious. I was like, "What the hell is that?" Um, like get those. I was like, "Get that weird Chinese stuff out of here." And he's like, "It's it's Japanese, bro." And I'm like. Uh, he's like, you know, so I was just messing with him though. But um, but but yeah, I was like, I had no idea what it was, and he was like, okay, well, think I'm a huge Harry Potter fan. Uh, so he was like, all right, so think Harry Potter, right? And I was like, okay, so like a wizard, and he's like, yeah, but, but no, it's more like, you know, somebody who can make magic. And I was like, okay, so like, so like a wizard, like with a wand. And he's like, no, no, no wands. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know. It was like now I know it's like super over, like he like overcomplicated it for me at the beginning. He was, uh, he was like, no, just just no wands, no, you know, no magic talismans. And I'm like, okay, so like a mutant, but their superpower is magic. Like they can do certain things. He's like, yeah, and like some mages, you know, in some stories, like they can't, you know, they can't really do different kinds of magic. You know, if you're a healer, you're a healer. And I was like, okay, I like that concept. I was like, all right, shut up. So I just kept on. You know, washing the dishes, and I, my my gear started to turn, and I was like, okay, well, in all magic stories that we've ever read, I was like, what's like the major constant? And he was like, secrecy. And I was like, exactly. It's always a secret world. It's always like this underground layer of like, you gotta go here. You know, in yeah. Hogwarts, you know, in Harry Potter, you've got Hogwarts. Uh, and the Dresden Files. It's like it's all like supernatural, so nobody like believes it. You know, nobody believes in it except for Dresden or whatever. Um, you know, just everywhere you go, Percy Jackson, same thing. Uh, it's all about you know if you're a half blood or you know whatever, you can see what's going on. Uh, so I was like, okay, well, I want to do away with that. I want our world to almost like an X Men to like experience magic 
and know that magic exists and it's a it's a high level threat just like terrorism you know serial killers all of that stuff that exists in a real world well just imagine if like ISIS could conjure or if ISIS could you know open a portal and show up on on you know on the front steps of the White House or whatever so I was like okay how would how would our government react to that how would they how would they deal with that and um, and of course I thought you know, with a three-letter organization, so we came up with um, with the IAM, the International Agency of Magic, uh, so that we could combat magic with magic. And um, and I was like, so we we sat there for a while. And we were like, okay, well, this this is cool. This is almost like a you know MIB BRPD type of book. Um, what what can make it different? And um, and Harry Potter had just finished all you know maybe like a year before or something like that, or right around the same time. I can't remember. It's all blurring together, but. Um, I always loved Harry, you know, and I, I like the situation that Harry got placed in. It's like this kid who who didn't even know who he was, and he was put in this situation to be more than he ever thought he could ever be. Um, yeah. And that and that harkened back to like Bruce Wayne and Peter Parker and all these characters that get thrown in these extraordinary, larger than life situations at such an early age and how they kind of adapt and, 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 and begin to grow from that experience. And I said, well, I want a Harry. I want a Bruce. I want a Peter. Like, how can I, how can I inject that into a world full of agents, grown-ups, adults? Um, so we created Riley. And, yeah. um, and Riley, uh, who is our window into this world, uh, I felt like there needed to be an angle on him and there needed to be something that made him stand out. So in our world... The way it works is, again, we kind of follow mage lore and say, okay, well, if you're a conjurer, you're a conjurer. If you're a healer, you're a healer. Uh, you know, you're a censor, you're a censor, so on and so forth. We can keep going down the list. But you can't really, you can't do anybody else's magic. Um, Riley, though, is the first mage to their knowledge in existence who's been able to cross into those different various planes. So he's been able, you know, he's able to conjure, he's able to sense, he's able to heal. He's, you know, he's got spoken incantation down. Um, and it's because of his lineage. It's because of who he is and where his family comes from and who his family was involved with for right from the beginning of time, so to speak, of magic to where they are now in the story, which is, which is, you know, basically 2016. Yeah. Uh, that's why he's special. So not only do the bad guys want him, but the good guys are like very protective of him because he's like this, this, you know, this anomaly in the like a ghost in the machine. Like they've never seen anything like it. Uh, but it's you know it's not by coincidence that Riley's being brought in and that Riley's having to uh, to take a role in the IAM and and be there. There's a there's a, there's certain reasons behind that. Uh, it's it's a government agency, and uh, we all know the government likes to keep its secrets. Yeah. So, so yeah. So um, so yeah. It was it was just you know it it just fell into my wheelhouse. You know it was one of those things where it's like I loved Bond. I loved Mission Impossible. Um, I you know I loved um, like I said Harry Potter and anything magic. Uh, I remember I you know I must have drilled the Percy Jackson series. It's one of those things where it was just like it it was it was my idea, but it was like if it wasn't. I would be such a huge fan of it just because it, it takes these two genres with espionage and magic and blends them in a way that, you know, not to toot our own horn, but I don't think I've ever, you know, nothing's ever really come close to this. You know, like, you know, like I said, I've read Justice League Dark. I've read the Dresden Files, uh, you know. Uh, it, it's just different. It's just something that, that, that it, it's got that high-level Mission Impossible type of feel, 
with like the spies and, and the things that are going on behind the scenes. And at the same time, it's got like that Harry Potter, Percy Jackson kind of feel because you've got this young, innocent kid who's in this position to become something larger than life. And he's just not, he wasn't ready for it. You know, he was just from one day to the next, it just happened to him. So, so I feel like, you know, we've got something that's totally unique, but at the same time, very familiar. So when you open it up and you start reading it, you all of a sudden just, you feel at home, you feel comfortable with the book. So, moving that idea to the TV series and kind of adapting that to that that medium, what, how did that come about, and what is the, what is the process involved in that? I mean, it's, we've talked in the past where you know we really look at comic books as kind of storyboards. Um, you know, it's it, we're in that generation where all these great properties are being translated to the screen, uh, either you know whether it's big or small screen. What is what is your, uh, you know, kind of run us through that a little bit. Um, you know, when we decided to 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 do the live action uh, pilot for the agency, it was um it was something that you know, of course, I've always wanted to. I've, I mean, I'd love to get it picked up by 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 a Fox or ABC or Netflix or something like that. Uh, and the, and 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 we're still on that process. Um, yeah. You know, side note, we, we, we got picked up for a representation deal through a company called uh, Hero Helix. Who, oh, we wrote it down. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah, those, about, yeah. yeah, those guys those guys over there, uh, the president at Hero Helix, um, he was the um, he was the the content provider for Funimation, the original content provider for Funimation. So everything that you've seen in the last Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So he's responsible for bringing all of that to the United States. And you know, dubbing it over, finding the actors, doing everything from you know from acquiring the rights and the licensing to it being available to to stream on Funimation, he was responsible for all of that. Um, and he just you know he's done he's done a, a bunch of stuff. Uh, he did Dragon Age Inquisition, the mm -hmm. movie. He did um, what is that Half Effect or Half? What is a Half Life? Half -Life. Or Half-Life, I think, had a movie, and, and he did that. He was the executive producer on that. I think I'm not I'm not positive. I know it's half something. I can't remember exactly what it was, but but he's done so, he's done a lot of stuff, um, and um, and he just wanted to start to deal with original intellectual property, which is like the agency or a Salvagers or a Stabity Bunny, um, you know, something creator-owned like a Walking Dead. He wanted to do something like that, uh, where he you know find something like Frank Darabont found The Walking Dead in the comic book store and took it to AMC. Right. Uh, so he, he, you know, he, he got into that business. So he left Funimation, started Hero Helix, and, um, and you know, long story short, we, we just signed a representation deal with them. So now we are working on an animated series to pitch to Netflix and Hulu and Funimation and things like that. Um, so I've got a really talented artist named Adam Cozart, uh, who I found him on Instagram. He's done. Uh, I've released a couple of, of the images that he did. A couple of character designs kind of falls in line with what you're seeing, like from like Steven Universe, and uh, it's like a, in the middle of like a Steven Universe and Star Wars Rebels. Uh, still very you know traditional animation because that's I, that's what I love. I love stuff that kind of still looks like like cell yeah. animation, yep. um, but still with that new that new school feel of like maybe Avengers Assemble on Disney XD type of deal. Um, 
and not so much to the point of like Star Wars Rebel CGI kind of 3D uh, type of deal animation. Uh, but really, I, I mean, whoever picks it up, whichever route they want to go, I'm 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 very much open to to going wherever they want to go. But that's kind of the route that Chris is is going right now, um, and then that's why we decided to continue doing the live action because um, not only do 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 I want to, you know, be a comic book writer? But I want to direct. I want to write movies. I want to. I want to write for TV. Um, so I've got all these, all these aspirations. So I, I have a, a two good friends of mine who own a production company called Dream Alive Productions, and uh, they mostly do, you know, they they started off doing drone work and, you know, going around the cons and just doing like B footage type of stuff, putting music yeah. on in it, editing it, making it look cool. Um, they also do a lot of green screen photography for cosplayers, and. Um, Went to their studio one day and it was just you know they had a bunch of equipment and they were like you know they were they were filming another somebody else's comic book into live action and you know they had like this whole ordeal the guy had props on and he looked cool and it was like but you know they just they they didn't get it right because it was kind of rushed um, they did it you know in in a matter of a few weeks and uh, and when they approached me I said well look I said I saw what you did with that other one and that was that was cool. But we can't rush this thing. This is like this is my baby, and if we're gonna do it, it needs to look like this. So I started to go out and look for like fan films, like Star Wars fan films, and um, yeah, there's one of uh, a there's like a Robin fan film where you never see him as Robin, but like it's like you see him like stop like this rape or whatever. He beats up the guys, and then like Batman approaches him, and he's like, you you need to come with me, and you know it's like it's a like really cool new school dark, almost kind of almost like what it, like if Christopher Nolan did the Robin story, that's kind of like that the edge that it would have um, and I was like it's got to look like this I mean the acting was not great but but, <laughs> um, but um but again I, I you know when you're in this realm you you have to do what you got to do uh, but um, but it looked beautiful and you know they had some great shots and he was like we can do that he was like you know we've got great cameras you know we could get some really cool drone shots and I was like all right so so let's do it so you know first and foremost I went and I adapted my own first issue which was crazy um, to do because you would think, oh, you know, I know exactly what I want to do, and you start to di- di- dissect your own comic book. Yeah, you're like, oh man, this totally, you know, does not work for live action. Like you can't, I can't, I can't blow this up. <laughs> you know, I don't have that budget. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, okay, well, how do I, you know, so where do we focus? So, so you know, I did that. I, I, I went through a couple of drafts of that, and um, we finally you know landed on a final version of it that they read and were like we can shoot this we can definitely shoot this and then we went on the mission of 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 casting and um and they had a really great idea of going out and casting some of Florida's top cosplayers um to to come in and and embody the roles of uh, uh of some of our agents and some of our some of our bad guys so you know we went out and got um Daniela Dinacola who is uh who's just a beautiful human being inside and out to uh, to play Victoria Winner. Uh, we have Stryker, uh, who plays Damien. Um, we've got uh, Jedi Brian, uh, who who has a who's known in the Florida cosplay world as Cabbages, um, and uh, he's a part of the Five O First. And he's actually he's actually on Skellig Michael. He was actually on Skellig Michael, the, the island from the Force yeah, Awakens. Uh, yeah, he was actually on the island yesterday because he's out in Ireland or whatever. Um, so he's very lucky, and um, 
I'm very yeah. jealous. I'm very <laughs> jealous. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we went out and got, and we, you know, and then we, you know, uh, through through connections and here and there, we we got a couple of people who who are who do who do real acting. Uh, Indiana Jones, who uh, who has a uh, who has a, an awesome YouTube channel and an awesome like YouTube uh, show where she does like cooking and crafting type of things. Uh, she's very talented. She's she's coming in to play the matron. Who you've if you've read the first issue, you know she's the one that kind of screams at at Riley uh, at the orphanage and things like that. Yep. Um, we got um, our guys from Dreamer Life Productions. They were part of the drama program in high school, so they got their drama teacher to come out and play Embry Eskel, who is the 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 chief. Uh, of the IAM, uh, super talented guy. I mean, just totally. You know, even that we did a table read, and uh, it's it was just it was crazy, dude. Like I I got so emotional at the table read because it was like watching these people, you know, read my characters and watching them come to life, and uh, and it was crazy because I was like I was like, oh, this is totally gonna feel like. You know J.J. Abrams and The Force Awakens, and that's exactly that's exactly what it felt like to me. Like I felt like we were, you know, like we were on like this big studio back yeah. lot, and and we weren't. We were just at the Dream of Life Studios, you know, in their in their studio upstairs in this room, and like, but we did we did everything to the T, man. And it's not like to to toot our own horn, but it was like crazy. We we set up the tables, we we got food, we catered the event, we got bottles of water, soda, you know, like we even argued about like. Should we get like Publix brand soda, you know, <laughs> supermarket soda? Or should we get like the real deal, like Coca-Cola, you know? And it was like, well, you know, and it was like we ended up getting the real stuff, you know. President's like, choice, right? Exactly. <laughs> you know, like these cr crucial moments. So you know, and it was like, you know, everybody had their script laid out in a folder with their name on it, their character name. You know, when they opened it, like we, you know, the night before, we sat with everybody's individual scripts and, like, you know, Remo's script. We highlighted all of Remo's lines, and you know, we did, we took the time to like put all of this together. You know, me, Roger, Pedro, uh, Jose, like, you know, we just we we wanted this to feel good um, and feel right and feel professional, and um, and we did. We 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 took, we recorded the the table read, which will release once we you know once we release uh, the episode. Um, and things like that, so people can see kind of behind the scenes. Um, and we're just treating like again. I think it just it goes back to treating it like a job. You know, making sure that you know this isn't just something that you know. I'm not going to go play a, a pickup game out on the out at the park. I'm I'm trying to establish the rest of my life. I'm trying to to build my career, yeah. so to speak. That's insane that you went from rapping. <laughs> To Comic Con, yeah. To a possible cartoon, to a live action, and you could even—I mean, who knows? You could have a movie that's, down the road. That's the goal. That's the yeah. goal. You know, we're doing this as a blueprint. I mean, I, I'm hoping that it comes out to the point where people enjoy it and they're like, "All right, we want another episode," and we will totally keep shooting this thing. Uh, you know, we we kind of want to do it for YouTube Red. Um, yeah, YouTube Red seems to have. You know, a pretty good following, and, and people are, are subscribing to that and, and doing that, dealing with that. Um, Hulu also does, you know, does, does some shows from the independent market. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, it's it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, you, you we we have to go as far as we can monetarily uh, before you know we put ourselves under a bridge. Um, and then you know we we're we're gonna try to to do some fundraising. I know that there's a there's a 
there's an Indiegogo on going on right now for it. Um, but we're, 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 it's mostly, you know, we're just kind of taking it easy there just because, again, we, we, we kind of already, we already know what we want to do with this first episode, and the Indiegogo was kind of just to, like, make sure that we could take care of our actors. Some of them are driving. Like I said, they're from all over Florida. So we want right. to make sure that we can not only, you know, pay for the special effects, which are which are, are going to be crazy. Uh, I mean, obviously, we're not blowing anything up, but, like, after effects, magical effects and things like that. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're, we've, we found a really good company uh, that'll work with us. And, and again, we want to be able to take care of our actors. Some of them are coming, you know, four or five hours away from Miami. Uh, we have two-day shoots on the weekends. We want to make sure that, you know, we, can, we don't put them in, like, some roach motel. We want to make sure that, you know, they're not in a five-star, but at least a three-and-a-half-star, a three you know. We want to make sure you... <laughs> We want to make sure you're all right. You know, just no don't, 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 yeah, no bad bugs. Don't eat anything in the refrigerator. We're not paying for that. Um, you know, things like that. And uh, and yeah, no, we just want to make it a, as as professional as an experience as as we can. So so yeah, now we're you know we're doing that. And and yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I've I've literally got uh, a 98 page full you know feature length script sitting in my in my hard drive for the agency so if anybody ever wanted wanted to do the movie I've got the blueprint you know or I've got I've got a script I've got yeah. a script for it um, which was a lot easier to it because that was I, I just went off you know what I wanted to do with the comic book and just wrote the the live action screen the live action screenplay that I adapted from the first issue is more like I wanted to kind of go page for page and like really you know, give nods and Easter eggs, even if they're just Easter eggs for, for me, you yeah. know, um, I just wanted to like be as, you know, as, as close to that first issue as possible. Um, and then I'll never do that again. Like from, <laughs> from now on, I'm just going to, I'm going to, you know, stay true to the DNA and stay true to the stories that I want to tell, but I'm just not going to adapt straight out of the comic book <laughs> because, because it's my own stuff. I guess if somebody else was doing it, I'd let, you know, I'd, I'd recommend it. I'd be like, yeah, definitely for it. Right. You know, Right out of those pages, uh, but mm -hmm. as the writer as, and as co-creator, it's hard, man. It's like it's like telling one of your kids, like, no, like you can't be part of this. So it's one of those things where it's like, mm, I know what happens in the second issue. I'm gonna take this story beat, and then I'm just gonna write, you know, and then I'm just gonna keep it moving. Uh, the movie was a lot easier just because I know that I want it to be a franchise. So I knew I needed a beginning, middle, and end for a movie to set up a franchise. So that's what that's what I wrote for. Dude, you, it's killing it all around. <laughs> that is awesome. That is completely awesome. Um, I'll tell you what, this seems like a good spot to close out one of maybe multiple podcasts. <laughs> we didn't even Brief. get to talk. <laughs> like, I, w I really wanted to talk about your uh, your Three Musketeer. Of the, uh, I know. Oh, Three Three swords. Three swords. I really want to talk about that, but I think that um, I think we should save that for a separate podcast. Uh, kind of concentrate on Kickstarter and um, how how you develop that, because um, you got a lot to share with us. You got a sh lot to share with the Towelites, and uh, we'd love to have you back again. So, oh, I'd, I'd love to do it. I'd love to do it whenever you guys want me. Whenever you oh, guys yeah. want me, I'm here, man. Ruben, um, tell tell the people because we didn't we didn't get to do it. We we had a technical difficulties on our first try. Um, where can people find you? Oh, um, they can find me on Instagram at Ruben, R-U-B-E-N underscore Romero, R-O-M-E-R-O -E -R -O underscore T-A-P. 
you can find me on Twitter at ThinkAlikePro, uh, on Snapchat as uh, Jedi underscore Solo. Uh, I'm and Facebook Ruben Romero or Think Alike Productions or the agency or the throwaways. Um, yeah, I mean I'm just I'm, I'm all over the. I'm a social media slut. I just like. <laughs> <laughs> but you have to be nowadays. You know, you have to be, and you know, and I mean that in the nicest term possible, like in the nicest way possible. I just I mean it in the sense where like I'm just all over the place because you have to be. You have to have your your hands everywhere, your feet everywhere because if not, then you can't. You know, then you're just not leaving uh, a large enough digital footprint, and uh, and that's what you're. You know, in the indie world, you have to do it. I mean, you guys are running a podcast. You know that if you're not out there talking, don't forget a towel. It just goes away because, you know, like I listen to Stitcher, and you know, I'm on. I have I have the Stitcher app, and uh, or no, not the Stitcher app, the Overcast app, and if I open that up, dude, I have like. 30 podcasts that I subscribe to, 40 podcasts, and they're all like, it's always constant, and then somebody's always recommending me another podcast. So it's like, you know, it's it's a very competitive market, so you know you got to be out there doing your thing, or you just don't get the listeners, you know, and the fan base, and then you're just basically talking to, like, your friends, you know? It's a labor of love sometimes. That's it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I couldn't be uh, happier that we actually got you on. Like I said, you're our first uh, long-distance guest. Um, I just want to do a couple plugs real quick. Listen to us on Stitcher or iTunes. Uh, if you check us out on iTunes, rate and review us. Uh, where else can you find us, Chris? Uh, we are on the socials. We have Facebook is Don't Forget to Tell One. On Instagram and Twitter is D-F-A-T-O-W-E-L, D-F-A-T-O-W-E-L. Um, yeah, check us out. We do uh, we do some daily uh, fun stuff on the socials. You know, interact with us. Tell us how we're doing. Uh, yell at us if you don't like what we're doing. We don't care. We'll still talk to you. And, and uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Check out the agency. Um, most of your stuff is on Comicsology. You didn't say that, so your stuff is on Comicsology. Yes, check, yes. Check it out there. Um, if you're not on, I mean, Comixology is awesome. Like, you get that stuff delivered to you. You can do a quote-unquote pull list um, when new stuff comes out. Like I said, we'll have Ruben back on another podcast. We can talk about his Kickstarter and go deeper into his social media footprint because the dude is everywhere, in case you didn't notice. <laughs> and, um, yeah, you know, make sure you... You check out uh, at least the agency and some of the other titles that he mentioned, like Sabity Bunny, Salvagers, freaking I know, so, Angel, yeah, Pray for Angels is on there. Lot. Yeah, Summons, um, Summons is also there as well. Chris Williams, Chris Williams, he's a monster too. I mean, great artist. He does everything, art, writes everything. Great book. Um, and I'm not just plug I mean, it's just one of those things where it's like, I'm just so proud of all my guys, dude. Like, it's just one of those things where it's like, I'm so happy to be in these circles. I mean, even you guys, this is a great, this is a great show. Uh, your website's great. Your articles are fun. Uh, and you guys do a really good, you know, you're on top of the game, which is, which is something that, uh, you know, some of these media sites, they're, they're, it's, it's all very repetitive, a lot of clickbait. Uh, headlines and stuff like that, but anytime you guys put something out, it's always very informative. Uh, even just your preview stuff, I always read it because I'm just like, these guys, I trust you. I trust you guys. So I think that that's, that's the big key. So hats off to you guys. 
Oh, you Thank make you. you make me cry, Robin. Right, <laughs> <laughs> writer hats off to you. <laughs> That's right. Writer hats off. That's, That's right. right. All right. Well, thank you guys for uh, taking a listen. We'll catch up with Ruben again real soon for another episode. And um, this is Casey uh, saying bye. This is Chris. Bye.